And the title of this message is The Unloved God. The Unloved God. Let's pray. Father, I so desperately need you. God, I can do nothing apart from you, but I thank you that I'm not apart from you. God, I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Lord, I need you to hide me under the shadow of your hand. I need you to reveal Christ. I need you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me to people that it's not just biblical truths hitting the mind and bouncing off, but it's the burning, living word of God touching hearts, writing on the tables of fleshly hearts that we will go out changed from this place. God, I pray that there'd not be a shred of condemnation in this message, but that, Lord, it would convict and it would encourage us and it would, it would leave us changed. It would leave us panting and drawing near to God and fulfilling your greatest desire. In Jesus' name, amen. The unloved God. Please stand for the reading of the first passages in Matthew 22, 35 to 40. I'm reading out of just this passage will be NIV, but the rest of the Scriptures will be New King James Version. Matthew twenty two thirty five to 40, it says, Then one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You may be seated. Think with me about the greatness of these two commandments. It says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Every bit of communication from God to man hangs on these two commands. Most think the commands hang on the scriptures, but the opposite is true. The scriptures hang on these two powerful commands. And the first is greater than the second. Love God with every part of your being. What is God looking for from us? We are his highest creation. What is God looking for from men and from women and from children? Love me. This is the greatest message to God's people. This is the greatest sermon. God would speak to us today, love me, love me. And when you do, I will enable you to love your fellow man in a way that delights me and confounds the world. Deuteronomy 6.5 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength. The heart is the spirit. It's the the deepest part of man. The soul is the mind and the will and the emotions. Your strength includes your intellectual strength, your physical body. God wants all of you, all of me, loving him. That's his greatest desire. There are groups of the church, maybe on the charismatic side, they, they, they know how to worship God with their emotions. There are other groups, maybe on the, the far Baptist side or Calvinist side, and they know how to worship God with their mind and with their intellect. 
They study the Word of God. When you study the Word of God to know Him, you're loving Him. There are some that know how to worship God in their emotions and and others that worship in their mind. But God says, I desire worshipers to worship me in spirit and in truth. From our hearts, not just our mind, not just our emotion, but with all of our strength, every part of our humanity, every part of us loving God. That's what he's looking for. We love him even with our bodies. It says our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Please don't take this as condemnation, but if you're a glutton, you're not loving God with your body. If you neglect just some regular exercise and taking care of the temple, you're not loving God with this body. If if a husband said, honey, why do you say I don't love you? I provide for you. I I have a good job. I come. I pay the bills. And and you you need nothing. You've got a house. You've got a car. You've got food. You've got decorations for the house. But she says, you never talk to me. You, You never listen to me. She'd be saying, you're not loving me fully. There are Christians that are loving God with certain parts, maybe just mind, studying the word of God. Some with their emotions. God's saying, I want all of you loving me. I want every part of you, every fiber of your being. It's why I created you. Deuteronomy 11.22 says, For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to hold fast to him. Truly loving God is not only a spiritual experience of worship, And adoration, it is walking in his ways and clinging to him. True intimacy with God will produce a tender and a pliable heart, eager to obey the Lord. There's extremes in in, in everything. There's people that say they couldn't couldn't raise an emotional feeling toward God. And then there are others who are so emotional, but they have no no intellectual love for God. They have, they're just, it's like, you, you, you talk to them for five minutes and you see all these flaws in their theology and they're like, oh no, I love God. I remember one person saying, we just want to, we want to touch, you want to touch people? You want to touch people with the gospel and evangelize? We want to touch God in heaven. Well, my friend, if you're touching God in heaven, he's going to put in you a burden to reach and lo- the lost, to evangelize, to love people with, with his love. I'm not trying to come down on any particular group But I'm saying God is looking for his church and us as individuals to love him with every part of ourselves. John 14, 21 to 23 says, He who has my commands and keeps them, it's he that loves me. What are his greatest commands? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'll reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest or reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I want... I want the presence of Christ. I want the Father and the Son making their home in me. The Bible says he's done this, that if we're in Christ, we're in the Father, we're in the Son by the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, if you'll love me, 
I'll manifest myself to you. I'll reveal myself to you in a deeper way. How could we exhaust the knowledge and the understanding of God? He says, love me and I'll keep showing myself to you. I'll keep revealing myself to you. I'll come and dwell so close. I'll make my home with you. Joshua 23, 11, Therefore take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Take careful heed to yourself that you love the Lord your God, Mark 12, 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your spirit, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Some will honestly say, I I can't worship him. I have a hard time loving him. My heart is too cluttered with sin and distraction and other loves. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. It says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants or your children to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Circumcision is a taking away of that which is in the way. Colossians uh, 2.11 says, In him you also were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands or human hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. He's not talking about a physical circumcision, the old covenant that God made with Abraham. He's talking about a circumcision of the, of the heart, a cutting away of that old nature, that sinful nature, all those things that draw us away from loving God. He says, I will circumcise your heart and your children's heart so that you can love me. This is what Christ has done for new covenant believers. He said, I've taken away your sin. I've nailed it to the cross. I've taken away that nature. Have you been to the cross and received this blessed circumcision of Christ by the Spirit? Revelation 2, 1 through 5. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to look at this. To the angel in the church of Ephesus write, These things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly or suddenly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The Ephesian church seems like the perfect church. They were one of the seven lampstands, one of the seven churches in Asia Minor that that John penned this, this letter to, the heart of Jesus Christ, the revelation of Christ. They seem like the perfect church. They labored And they worked with endurance for Jesus. They defended the truth. They were were defenders of true doctrine. They they found these men that said, we're apostles, and they tested them. And they said, no, you're not. You're liars. You're false apostles. They were zealous for Jesus. They loved working for Jesus. They persevered for Jesus. They loved working for Jesus. They just didn't love loving Jesus. How many in the church are active and they love working for Jesus, doing something for Jesus? And he's saying, I just want you to love me. I just want you to love me. 
They liked it. They likely evangelized and told others about the one they worked for. But they lost that early fire of passion and love for Jesus. They let the fire die down and nearly go out. The most important thing to Jesus was loving him. On this hang all the things God has ever spoken or communicated to redeem people. Jesus said, repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand or light from its place unless you repent. All the works and labor defending the truth meant nothing to Jesus without first love. He said, I'm going to come and I'm going to shut it all down if you don't come back to first love. I can't live with a loveless bride. What were the first works that stirred first love? I believe it was intimacy with Jesus. For me, this looks like private worship and communion in the Spirit with Jesus. It's the most intimate and transparent prayer alone with Jesus. It's worshiping Him from my heart. This is where my heart burns for Him, just to be with Him, just to get a glimpse of His beauty. John 4, 23 Jesus said, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking or looking for such to worship him. He's looking for you and he's looking for me to worship him in spirit and in truth. More than two years ago, I was, I was down in Baton Rouge worshiping God at an at an altar of the beautiful church of my friend, Pastor Lee Ship, And I'm worshiping on the first night of the conference, and the speaker was unable to come. They said, we're just going to have a worship night. And I'm worshiping, and the Holy Spirit says, lay down preaching. Lay down pulpit ministry. I wasn't in active pulpit ministry, but I was longing to do it. I'd be asked to speak occasionally. And as soon as he said that, I said, Lord, I lay down, I lay down preaching. And the Spirit fell on me. And the next day I stood in that altar and I was worshiping God and I heard the Holy Spirit say death. I said, okay, Lord, what are you saying? He said, Aaron, there's things in you that need to die before my life can be revealed through you. I said, Lord, you're right. I said, do it. You see, I had been loving God all these years, reading the word faithfully every morning. I mean, I would read for at least an hour. I'd love the word of God. I never was unfaithful to that. I was, I was loving God with my mind. But I had lost that love of God in my spirit. I didn't have a passion for Jesus just to see him, just to be with him, just to be intimate with him. And when he sat me down for one year from preaching, he taught me how to love him again. He brought me into the secret place privately where I learned to worship him alone with no one else there, just to put on some worship music and just worship him for who he is, not to get something. I had prayer time to pray for people and myself and my family and whatever, but just to come and be in his presence and love him. He restored my worship and he restored my fire. He restored my prayer life. And when he began to raise me up to pastor, I said, God, I won't do it. I won't do it if I lose this intimacy with you. If I lose this loving you in the spirit, this special time with you, God, I can't afford to lose it. I'll pray for pastors. I'll intercede for other ministers. But I'm not going unless you go with me. 
I'm not going unless I have an increase of knowing this living, risen Christ. He revived me. He revived me. And my friend, that's why he said, you can't, you're not ready to minister in my spirit because you're just loving me with part of you. And Aaron, I want all of you loving me. This is what he's looking for, not just in pastors. He's looking for it in every one of his children. Luke 10, 27 says, So he said, he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5, 14 says, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, the distillation of loving God is that you will love other people with the supernatural love of God. That's the distillation of it in Galatians 5, 14. Listen, you can't love a God you don't trust nor can you trust a God you don't love. God's greatest delight is man's greatest need for you and I to love him and to trust him. You can't love people without loving God first. And you can't love God until you learn to receive his love for you. So many Christians walking around broken, don't know their identity in Christ, don't know that they're loved, that they're accepted in the beloved. They're not established in who they are in Christ's love. God wants to change that. Because you can't minister in the power of God's love and spirit until you receive his love for yourself. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. He's the initiator. He's saying, love me, but he's saying, I already love you. I've already poured out my love for you at Calvary. I love you. Come to me. Experience my love. And I'll just keep pouring out my love again and again and renewing you and changing you and lighting your fire. So if we will learn to do what we were created for, to love God, we must get the order right. We must receive his love and become established in it. 1 John 4, 16 says, we have known, I love this, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. Most Christians know the love, but they haven't believed it. They know it here, but they haven't believed it and become, begun to walk in it through the power of the Spirit. I'm loved by God. I don't go, need to go around trying to fill this empty void to be loved because I'm loved by God. That produces confidence. When you know who you are in Christ, when you know he loves you, changes everything. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The Lord God in your midst, the mighty one, will save. Zephaniah 3.17 he will rejoice over you with gladness. You know when you come to worship him with song? When you come to rejoice in him and adore Jesus Christ, he's singing over you. He was singing over you before you even sang the first note. He's singing over you. It says he will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. You know, this is a divine romance. Christianity, if we've reduced it to another world religion, it has lost everything of life. 
And he says, I'll remove my lampstand. I'll remove my true light. You may have the form. You may have the corpse. But you don't have the reality. The reality is a church that is loving their risen Savior. The reality is a divine romance with God. Him loving us. Us loving him. And then us loving people as he loves through us. How can we receive from a God we can't see? How can we love this invisible God? Listen, only by the Holy Ghost. Only by the Holy Spirit. I can teach and preach the greatest demonstration of God's love for you, the cross of Jesus Christ, but only the Holy Spirit can make it more than a historical fact, more than dead religion. Lots of places have crosses, but is it a reality in your life? Only the Holy Spirit can show you that love. Romans 5, 5 says, And hope makes us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You need a revelation of God's love. And that only comes by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't come just by Bible study or going to Bible college or somebody telling you God loves you. You need it to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. As long as we are afraid of the Holy Spirit, we cannot know true intimacy with God. Listen, you need to know the Holy Spirit of this book. And you need to know him in the book and outside the book. Not strangeness, not people rolling around and barking on the ground and all kinds of stuff that's been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. No, the true Holy Spirit of God is a God of order and a God of peace. He will never force you to do something that you're not willing to do. Never. Someone says, I was, I was just so in the Spirit, I couldn't help myself. I just did it. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is subject to the, to the prophets. The Spirit of the prophets is subject to the control of the prophets. He doesn't violate your self-control ever. Never, ever, ever. Stop being afraid of the Holy Spirit. Get to know the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. He is very God. He's not a force. He's not a thing. He's not an influence. He is very God, revealing the Father and the Son in us. Do you know how Jesus is in you? Do you know how he's in me? By the Spirit. Jesus is seated in heaven. But he's in us by the Spirit, and that's why we are also seated in heavenly places, in the Spirit of God. My friend, it's time that the church stopped being afraid of the Holy Spirit and began to love Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Without the revelation of the Spirit to your heart and mind, the sweetest truths of God's love are as distant as unknown deep space. They're as dry as the Sahara Desert. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 18 says, But their minds were blinded, for until this same day, some of you here right now are sitting here going, My God, oh, I am, God is speaking to me. And some of you are like, your mind is somewhere else. I mean, it's on, it's on something up here, the, the new decorations. It's, it's on the game afterwards. Your mind is blinded. Holy Spirit is speaking, and you can't hear it. Listen. The veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil is on their heart. You could be sitting here today. The Spirit of God is speaking through the Word of God, and there's a veil on your heart. You leave and you'll be like, wow, that guy's you know, different. 
And your wife is like, oh, that was amazing. God spoke to me. Why? Because one heart is unveiled and the other is still veiled. It says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When you respond to God and turn to him, the veil's lifted. Now you can see this Christ. Now the Holy Spirit can show you who God is. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not confusion, not, not strangeness, not distortion. There's liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. By beholding the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. What glory are we supposed to behold? What image are we being transformed into? 2 Corinthians 4, 6 for, says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We could rephrase these verses to say this. The Spirit has removed our veil of spiritual blindness when we turn to Jesus by faith. Now we're able to see and lovingly behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. As we gaze adoringly into his face, the Spirit of God is changing us to look like Jesus from glory to glory. As we respond to his love by loving him in worship and adoration, he pours out his love and life into us and we're changed. We come into his presence one way, but we leave another. We come into his presence with bitterness and unforgiveness, and we go out full of forgiveness. We entered without love for others and came out with the Spirit's supernatural love for people. We entered in unclean and came out holy. Everything changes when we love the one who first loved us. This is what God is looking for. We are not changed by trying harder, working harder, or becoming more religious. Ephesus had everything together. They were missing the most important thing. They lost their love for Jesus. We are changed by gazing upon and loving Jesus. Multitudes follow Jesus for something other than just to love and to be with him. These are on the outside. Many are not even born again. But those who follow him, and love him supremely are world changers. They're world changers. They bring the reality of the living Christ to earth. The Spirit does in them and through them. He does this in them and through them as they love Jesus. Do you want to know your calling? Get alone with Jesus. Begin to worship him. Begin to love him. Ask him, Lord, teach me how to love you. I don't know how to love you. I don't know how. Show me. He'll do it. He's taken this old crusty marine. You're looking at him. This man that didn't love anybody but himself and maybe his family and put a love in his heart for other people. That's supernatural. That's the love of God. But he didn't do it at a conference. He didn't do it at a retreat. He did it in his presence when I was loving him because he loved me. And he keeps doing it. And my love for people just keeps growing. My love for God keeps growing the more I'm with him. 
First, uh, I'm not going to read that, that passage. We can skip 1 Corinthians 13. You know it. If we speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, we're just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Right? It's about love. Luke 7, 36 to 48. This is my last passage. I want you to stay awake. Pay attention. I know it's a lot of scripture. I know I'm longer-winded than most of your preachers out there. But God's given me something to say, and I make no apology for it. Luke 7, 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. The Pharisees were the religious of their day. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. That means she had a reputation for being a sinner, probably a prostitute. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought out an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, if this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. Oh, Jesus did know. He knew what this man Simon was thinking. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50 or 10 times more. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, suppose, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered into your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Though this woman was a sinner, she didn't let her reputation or shame keep her from falling at Jesus' feet and loving him much. She came with what she had, a flask of fragrant oil. The oil may have been the most the most valuable thing she owned, but to Jesus, her tears, wiped by her hair and her kisses, were more precious than the oil. They were the expressions of her uninhibited, uninhibited love. You may not have much in terms of works or religious service to offer God, but he doesn't want these. He wants your unashamed love. He wants your tears. He wants your kisses. Jesus asked Simon, which of them will love him more? You hear the heart of God? Which of, you, which of you will love Jesus more? When we come to, to just adore and love this Christ, he pours the oil of his love back on us. The love poured out by the Spirit of grace changes us into his likeness, and it puts that agape love into us so we can love our neighbor as ourselves, both saints in the house of God and sinners outside the house of God. I want to tell you something. Oxano Church is going to be a church where when people come through those doors and they're covered in tats and they look like the streets and smell like the streets, we're going to love them. We're going to love them, not by our own strength, but with the love of Christ in us.
You understand that? That's what we're going to be. It's not just going to be greeters when we get them at the door. It's going to be all of us who are loving Christ, loving others, receiving them. Not saying, oh, I don't like it when people get saved and, and, and change and disrupt and, and the church is growing. I don't like it. Well, you don't have the heart of God. His heart, he said, it came to seek and to save the lost. You want to love people? Love Jesus. Get alone with him and just ask him to teach you how to love him. His love will change you. His love will make you a lover of people. I want to end with this. I lied In, unintentionally. I have two other short passages out of Job. From time to time, our love will be tested to prove its sincerity and to cause it to deepen. This happens when we're following him faithfully and loving him with all that we are. We're, we're, we're seeking him with heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our fire is high, and we're saying, God, I've never loved you like this. And then a test comes. A trial comes. God moves different from how he's faithfully moved in the past. In the past, we'd say, God, I need work for my employees, and boom, all this work for my employees is coming in. And now I say, God, I need work for my employees, and I'm getting all this uh, uh, attack from the enemy and work's not coming in. And I say, God, what are you doing? I I'm loving you faithfully. Listen, sometimes he will allow the hedge of his protection to drop and Satan to afflict us. Untested love is immature love. You can write that down. Untested love is immature love. Will you still worship and adore him when the bottom drops out? Will you? If you will, you will experience his love in a deeper way than ever before. If you patiently wait for him, his love will be stirred to come to the one who's holding on to him. Consider Job when in his faithfulness God allowed the greatest trials, perhaps of any man that ever lived, Verse Job 1, 20, 21 says, Then Job arose after he heard that all of his children were dead on the same day. He arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. He worshipped. He loved God. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Will you love this God when he's pouring out blessings but not love him when the bottom drops out, when your marriage falls apart, when your finances are shattered, when your health is decreased, when you get sick or loved ones get sick? Will you still love him when he takes away? The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job 13, 15 Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The greatest test of faith in is when we have been faithful in loving him, we've been praying, we've been seeking, and he acts contrary to what we expect. When it looks like he's turned against us, will we still believe that all things work together for good to those that love him, to those that love him? that are the called according to his purpose. I want to close with a few questions. One is what Jesus asked Simon, which of them will love him more? 
You don't have to have come from a very sinful life to love Jesus like the woman who came out of a life of sin. Once you begin to get into his presence and see his face, he's just going to keep drawing you. And you can become one that loves him much, even if you never had any season of rebellion in the world or sowing your wild oats. You come to Jesus, no matter what your background is, if it's dark, if it's sinful, if it's, if it's sheltered, if it's pure, you come to Jesus. He wants your love. He wants our love. Praise God. Praise God. Do you want to love him more? I do. Will you come and ask the Spirit to break the alabaster jar of your heart so your love is poured out on Jesus? I invite you today, I'm going to open this altar for people who want to just come with this simple prayer. Lord, I want to love you more. I want to love you more. If you want to make your chair an altar and just worship and pray where you are, that's fine. I don't care if you come forward or if you stay where you're at. But Jesus is looking for uninhibited love that's not embarrassed. That woman was not embarrassed to come and to fall at Jesus' feet. She didn't know they were fair. She didn't care less about the people who were judging her. She could care less. She was in the presence of Jesus, worshiping him, loving him. So let's spend a little time here. Let's spend some time here just asking that Jesus would change our hearts, that he'd break the alabaster jar of our hearts, and that we'd begin to love him with everything that's in us. We begin to start to learn how to love him the way he wants to be loved. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.
Jesus, we praise you. We praise you for loving us, God. We praise you that you're not looking at us with condemnation where our love is in, insufficient, God. Lord, you're just calling to us and saying, I need you to turn. I need you to turn to me and ask me to help you love me the way I, I want and long for you to love me so that I can bring you into the greater depths of my love, greater outpourings of who I am. My God, I thank you that there's no condemnation in you that, Lord, you are full of love and truth, God. My God, I pray you'd help us. Help us, Lord God, to be a people, Lord, that truly love Jesus Christ. Lord, make us like that woman that was despised by the religious Pharisee, God, that we wouldn't care, God, that we just pour out our love to you, Jesus, in our emotions, God, in our mind, in our bodies, in our strength, oh God. In every way, Lord God, we love you with everything that's in us, God. That's what the church triumphant will look like in the end, God. It will be a beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle because she's loving Jesus. She's being changed by Jesus. She's clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God, we thank you and I cry out to you, God, make us a people that love you. Make us a people that love you, that receive your love, that rev revel in your love, that rejoice in your love and that long to see you in a deeper way. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Say hey. 
tell you something about this love of Jesus Christ? That when you begin to love him, your marriage will be healed. When you begin to love him, your family will begin to be healed. Because the love of Jesus goes out to others. It breaks down the walls that we've raised in our hearts. It tears down strongholds. It renews and rebuilds things that are impossibly broken. Because it's the power of his love and of his spirit. My friend, let us become a church that radically loves Jesus Christ without embarrassment, without apology, without shame. He will change our lives. Let's love him. Let's love him. Some of you are being touched right now. Marriages are being touched right now. God is working to restore hearts and minds and relationships. He cares about that relationship. He cares. Praise him. Praise him for it. Praise him for what he's done already in this service. Praise him for what he's going to do as you determine to be a lover of Jesus Christ. As you determine to put away dead religion and just love him. Come to him and love him. Everything is in him. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Jesus, I pray that you would just pour out grace upon grace and your presence upon your people, Lord, this week, that we'd walk with you. We'd walk with you, Lord. We'd hear the Holy Spirit drawing us to love you and we'd respond. Lord, with whatever, however small we think it is, God, just to come to you and let you teach us how to love you, Jesus, and respond to your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus.
I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop. Waymaker